There's a code of silence that we don't dare speak. There's a wall between us and a river so deep. We keep pretending that there's nothing wrong. There's a code of silence and it can't go on.
would still rebel against the new system, therefore they're the first to go. And that includes the professors and all the rest who helped it along. And most of these, these, these particular types of systems come from universities on down. The students are brainwashed. They have soft and pliable heads. We're going in, as I say, to a, a plan, a very, very old plan, well documented, really, by big players who sat in think tanks and who were given access to sciences, very, very old sciences of the mind and mass populations, mass psychology, stuff that's still relearning at the bottom level in colleges and universities. And I'll be back with more of this thing after this break. That's what it's all about. 
a scientific horror show where the elite will no longer have to entertain you, fleece you and con you into getting fleeced. You'll, you'll simply be unable to even think for yourself. You won't see yourself as an individual. It's time for the control freaks, and they're all rolling out on cue. And no one in the major media comes out without being ordered to do so in politics and so on. This is from the Daily Mail on the 12th of May 2008 by Steve Doughty. And it says, Town halls should map race and religion to identify tension hotspots, says Hazel Blears. Now, this is happening in Britain, but it's also been done across the U.S., Canada, and everywhere else because they're all together in this particular agenda. And it goes on to say, more than 10 million people are to have their everyday disputes, their politics, and their business lives checked by new tension monitoring committees. These NGOs are, are, are a little bit more They'll still be NGOs, but they'll have official government backing. The committees are to be set up to try to cut the risk of riots or disturbances in the aftermath of terrorist outrages or outbreaks of local racial trouble. They will ask for and file reports on named troublemakers whose political activities are considered to be raising community tensions. Now, that's going to get rid of everyone who has leadership abilities, has the knowledge, and can communicate to others that particular knowledge. That's what that's intended to do. It goes on to say here, reports on the behavior and attitudes of local residents, their attitudes of local residents, will be collected by community workers, neighborhood wardens, wardens, just like World War II, local councillors, and provided by voluntary organizations. There's your NGOs, you see according to a paper published by Communities Secretary Hazel Blears today. And I've got a photograph of Miss Blears with a big smug grin on her face. And I bet you she is one amazing control freak, this woman. This article then goes on. It will then be considered by the monitoring committees run by town halls. A sample tension monitoring form for use in checking on the likelihood of local racial or religious trouble as for details of individuals considered to be making political trouble. Now, that's a very vague statement there, or term, political trouble. Does that mean if you disagree with anything, then you're on the list? Well, exactly, that's exactly what it does mean, because we know that when Mr. Bush said you're either with us or against us, uh, he meant that anyone who wasn't for this agenda and the war, and the wars that we're going to bring on, was also a, a potential enemy. The monitoring committees will ask for information on those identified as troublemakers with includes such as age, gender, ethnicity, and faith of those being reported on. The call for monitoring of everyday life in the cause of community cohesion contingency planning. Boy, they love these, these terms, don't they? Community cohesion contingency planning was made by Mrs. Blears in a paper aiming to help identify tension hotspots and improve cohesion, the government's buzzword for reducing racial and religious strife, and I should add, by removing the people that they think might cause it. The word was adopted in 2006 after the once-dominating left-wing doctrine of multiculturalism was brought by Labour because it made tensions worse rather than better. Now, nothing, there's nothing new in this whole technique of multiculturalism. The ancients did the same thing. 
when they brought in new peoples and conquered territories and, and then flooded and, and tried to denationalize the, pre, the, the people who were already there by flooding it uh, in different areas. The Romans did the same thing. Britain was very good at it across the Commonwealth. So they knew what they were doing. They were setting up a chessboard to create world trouble, world riots, so they can have a world system and all things will be sorted out by a world government. It says here, but the establishment of monitoring committees and town halls is likely to generate new concerns about spying and surveillance by local councils. Concerns have deepened in recent weeks after the Daily Mail revealed that Poole Council in Dorset had spied on a family's life for three weeks because it wrongly suspected the parents of abusing rules on school catchment areas. It's getting so incredibly ridiculous. There are also worries over the spread of new council quasi-police forces like the BIN police. I'm not kidding. This is really, you can make this up. Well, this could only come from the minds of bureaucrats. The BIN police, that's pure garbage, that recently gave a criminal record to a bus driver in Cumbria who left the lid of his family wheelie, that's his bin, his garbage bin, open by four inches. They've got, they've got spies going around actually measuring this. Mrs. Blear's paper said that a recent survey by her department found that 81% of the population feel that people from different backgrounds get on well in her area. However, that means that nearly one in five people, more than 11 million, live in areas where the new tension monitoring committees will operate. This will spread everywhere, I guarantee you. They always start small and spread everywhere. The community's secretary said the overwhelming majority of people in this country live successfully side by side, but we cannot take this for granted. Challenges to cohesion do exist. This might be different but, uh, between ethnic or faith groups or new migrants and longer-term residents, but things can be done to address problems at the earliest opportunity and stop these things escalating. She said town halls would get an extra $50 million or pounds, 50 million pounds in double that for dollars to help them set up and run the new tension monitoring committees each of which will be run by senior local authority officials who are in the club. I added that part on. The committees will include representatives from housing authorities, schools, the National Health Service, the Fire Brigade, there you go, same as the U.S., community workers and neighborhood wardens in an area, which, which, in areas which have them. Voluntary community and faith groups will also be asked to provide information. They will record qualitative community intelligence alongside reports of race incidents, gang and turf conflicts, disputes between neighbours, complaints about noise and examples of low local trust, including low trust in politicians. So in other words, when they ask you about politics and you'll chat away, meanwhile they're taking all this data if you have a low trust in your politician. Economic activity, including business investment and housing demand, will also be monitored. So when you... These groups and NGOs are monitoring your bank accounts and everything. So will political extremism. I wonder what that is. The sample tension monitoring form provided by civil servants as a model for councils to follow in recording information calls for the name of the monitor and his or her organization to be filed. It asks for an assessment of whether levels of community tension are high, medium, or low. Under the heading political Monitors are to be asked to provide details of situation, incident, that is where, when, who, age, gender, ethnicity, faith, and what, useful to specify whether experienced, evidence, or potential. Councils are told that under data protection law, they are allowed to record details of individuals 
as long as the material is fairly gathered and stored. Now, this has never been done in the British history, except when they brought in the Domesday Book with William the Conqueror, where everybody in Britain and everything you had, including your little hen, was basically put down in a book as uh, being owned by the king, the new king. And here they go, literally with all high-tech and everything else, this means that police and everybody's involved in spying equipment and high technology, and plus people on the street pounding the street, going into cafes, restaurants, bars, and getting you to chat, and putting you on one list or another. This is worse than any red terror, or any uprising in Paris that happened in the 1700s. Back with more after the following messages. Collected data this way, and that you should not 
discuss major things or even trivial things that affect you or with anyone in your area. That's a no-no. That even means your local neighbors especially because things you say in comments and passing filter. They filter all the way to the local cafe or where the cops go and have their, their, their coffee and so on. And data is collected. A lot of the Eastern Star women are involved in data collection. Some of them have actually admitted that. That's their job. So you have to be very careful. Now it's time to start guarding your thoughts. Because these lists are being drawn up for a very good purpose. And it won't be just to give you a little fine for wrong think. It's to collect you or drag you out of your home uh, when they're given the orders one day. And then you'll be reconditioned in some kind of camp. The same kind of things the Soviets used to use in the gulags. We're going through hell, as I said before, and we must go through hell because there's no way out of this. You cannot go back in a system that was never yours to begin with. The same big boys and their families controlled the system that your parents lived in and your grandparents. They gave them their realities. They gave them their wars. Wars which always had ulterior purposes. The last major one, World War II, to bring the world under the United Nations, the embryo for world government. That was the real function of the war. H.G. Wells wrote about it in his own books. But Joe Blow at the bottom thinks it's only one war of one people against another people. They never see the big picture because they don't need advanced propaganda. They get basic, minimal propaganda, and that's good enough for most people when it's repeated over and over enough. You'd be surprised how our brains operate and how changes within our brains occur. I've spoken about this years ago. When you learn something new, how certain pathways are created throughout your, your actual brain physically and how they network together all the different compartments that you have. These sciences are actually very, very, very old, well understood, but only just starting to get put out as though it's brand new and it's been discovered or rediscovered all over again. And this is about this particular thing. I've said before, be careful of what you let into your mind. This is also from the Daily Mail, and it's the 9th of May, 2008. It says, the real brain drain, modern technology, including violent video games, is changing the way our brains work, says a neuroscientist. This is by Susan Greenfield. And she says, human identity, the idea that defines each and every one of us, could be facing an unprecedented crisis. It's a crisis that would threaten long-held notions of who we are, what we do, and how we behave. It goes right to the heart or the head of us all. The crisis should, could reshape how we interact with each other, alter what makes us happy, and modify our capacity for reaching our full potential as individuals. Well, we know we're not supposed to be individuals in the mass society. And it's caused by one simple fact. The human brain, that most sensitive of organs, is under threat from the modern world. And I'll be back with more of this after the following messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. 
somewhat cutting through the matrix, trying to show you what reality really is. And it's a far cry from your conditioned reality that's pushed out every day from the mainstream media and little quips from politicians. We're under a scientific technique, having all our lives, of indoctrination. We're lulled into la-la land, and we obey our masters very, very well. I'll continue with this doc, this article from the Daily Mail here on the brain itself and how the modern world is altering how we think and maybe physically altering the brain itself. Unless we wake up to the damage that the gadget-filled, pharmaceutically enhanced 21st century is doing to our brains, we could be sleepwalking towards a future in which neurochip technology blurs the line between living and non-living machines. Neurochip is a chip in your brain and between our bodies and the outside world. It would be a world where such devices could enhance our muscle power or our senses beyond the norm, and where we all take a daily cocktail of drugs to control our moods and performance. Uh, Robert Duval was in a movie about that very type of future. Uh, people should look up the movies he's made and, and look out uh, the one to do with the future, where they're all drugged, they get drugged every day and monitored. Already, an electronic chip has been developed that could allow a paralyzed patient to move a robotic limb just by thinking about it. As for drug-manipulated moods, they're already with us, although so far to, only to a medically prescribed extent. Increasing numbers of people already take Prozac for depression, Paxil as an antidote for shyness, and give Ritalin the children to improve their concentration. Huh, that's the, that's the, the standard version, anyway. But what if there were still more pills to enhance or correct a range of other specific mental functions? What would such aspirations to be perfect or better do to our notions of identity? And what would it do to those who could not get their hands on the pills? Would some finally have become more equal than others, as George Orwell always feared? Of course, there are benefits from technical progress, but there are great dangers as well. And I believe that we are seeing some of those today. I'm a neuroscientist, and my day-to-day -day research at Oxford University strives for an ever greater understanding and therefore maybe one day a cure for Alzheimer's disease. Yes, yeah, sure, buddy. But one vital fact I've learned is that the brain is not the unchanging organ that we might imagine. It not only goes on developing, changing, and in some tragic cases, eventually deteriorating with age, it is also substantially shaped by what we do to it and by the experience of daily life. When I say shaped, I'm not talking figuratively or metaphorically, I'm talking literally. At a microcellular level, the infinitely complex network of nerve cells that make up the constituent parts of the brain actually change in response to certain experiences and stimuli. The brain, in other words, is malleable, not just in early childhood, but right up to early child adulthood, and in certain instances beyond. The surrounding environment has a huge impact both in the way our brains develop and how that brain is transformed into a unique human mind. Of course, there's nothing new about that. Human brains have been changing, adapting, and developing in response to outside stimuli for centuries. That's it is challenging to Darwinist. He believes in evolution. What prompted me to write my book is that the pace of change in the outside environment and in development of new technologies has increased dramatically. This will affect our brains over the next 100 years in ways we might never have imagined. Our brains are under the influence of an ever-expanding world of new technology 
multi-channel television, video games, MP3 players, the internet, wireless and networks, Bluetooth links, and the list goes on and on. Our modern brains are also having to adapt to other 21st century intrusions, some of which, such as prescribed drugs like Ritalin and Prozac, are supposed to be of benefit, and some of which, such as widely available illegal drugs like cannabis and heroin, are not. Electronic devices and pharmaceutical drugs all have an impact on the microcellular structure and complex biochemistry of our brains, and that in turn affects our personality, our behavior, and our characteristics. In short, the modern world could well be altering our human identity. What he's not mentioning here, that a lot of stuff's been done to our brains already uh, through the inoculations and the food and the spraying from the skies and a whole host of things, including psychotronics. 300 years ago, our notions of human identity were vastly simpler, were defined by the family we were born into and our position within that family. Social advancement was nigh on impossible and the concept of individuality took a back seat. That only arrived with the Industrial Revolution, which for the first time offered rewards for initiative, ingenuity, and ambition. Suddenly people had their own life stories, one which could be shaped by their own thoughts and actions. For the first time, individuals had a real sense of self. Now, that part's true. I've told people before in previous talks that individuality has only been around for 200 years in the modern sense of the word. And we're giving it up. We're giving it up very quickly because it's too heavy a burden. That's what's happening to most people. And you see the effects all around you. They give up their individuality and become the mass. So really, it's not really just a fight of dominance between the elite over the masses. It's the masses who are also symbiotically related to the elite, the sheep and the shepherd. The problem is always for those in between who are still individuals and don't belong to the upper elite and don't want to, don't want control over others. But by the same token, they're forced along with every part of the agenda that the elite want because the masses under democracy uh, vote and do exactly as they're told. When you're, you don't want to go along, uh, the authorities tell, say to you, what's wrong with you? Everyone else accepts this. They accept it. And that's how the system works. He's on to say here, anyone who doubts the malleability of the adult brain to consider a starting police of research conducted at Harvard Medical School. There a group of adult volunteers, none of whom could play the piano, were split into three groups. The first groups were taken in a room. What he goes to say is they did a blind study, and ones were told just to imagine that they were playing the piano for three days, and they found changes within the brain as though they actually had been doing it. They couldn't actually play the piano, but... but there was a change in their, inside their brain. That means, too, that when you're watching video games, there's actual change that stays inside your brain. When you're raised in video games or violence, a constant stream of violence, and that's what children have been watching for the last 30 years as they grow up, uh, you have set, set changes occurring within their brains. And here they are talking about why is society so violent upon each other. It's no great secret were being played and tampered with, and they knew the effects of this long ago because this information is coming out now as old, old, old stuff. This was known over 100 years ago, probably hundreds of years ago, definitely 100 years ago, according to old books that I have read. Now I'm going to go to the phones, and we've got John from Florida. Are you there, John? Yes, I'm here. Um, yeah. Alan, how are you? Not so bad. 
Thank you for taking my call. Um, as you read and um, made your commentary, um, I could not help but coming up with an image in my mind of this round table, and around the table you had Hitler, Stalin, Mao, Pinochet, Ceausescu, um, Papa Doc, Marcos Perez Jimenez, and a couple of others. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> they were all laughing amongst themselves as they see what's taking place in the United States of America. You're, you're right on. You're spot on. And, and they said to each other, look at them. They used to decry us, and now they have become one of us. That's right. And there's an empty chair there. And guess who the empty chair is for? Mm -hmm. I leave that to your judgment. Yeah, yeah I understand. Um... um one of the design, design features, and I use the word design purposely, of the SARS virus is that the viral agent takes up residence in a host which has um, Asian ethnic background, yeah. according to the statistics and the cases populated. Mm -hmm. um, the Chinese, Japanese, Asian secret society, which boasts a membership of six million, have issued a... Yeah. Uh, I, I, I've heard that, but I tell you, I don't really believe it. I, okay. I don't really believe it. Um, I saw the video, and right. there was so much in the video that it had no credence at all including getting a, 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 to, to interview Mr. Rockefeller. Uh, yes. see, see, these guys literally um, know what the questions are going to be asked. They demand to know before they accept interviews. And when you go on to the rest of the story, it's just too, too far-fetched. Um, we know for a fact, for instance, that the West set up modern-day China. Lord Bertrand Russell, in his own memoirs, uh, said that he was one of them to be sent over to teach them what they thought was communism in the universities in China. So he went over amongst many others to teach. And we, we Canada, Canada taught most of their engineers. And I used to wonder in, in the 70s and 80s, how come Canada had such a preponderance of Chinese students when they had no factories over there at the time? And we were setting up, the, we were training their future engineers for factories they didn't even have yet. So the West has set up China wholeheartedly, and then through the GATT Treaty, through the massive funding that they get uh, through that, and corporations get to leave the shores of their own country, set up in China, then the taxpayers of the country they left are to fund the setting up. I don't think taxpayers know that. We fund every factory that leaves the shores, and we fund and pay uh, any losses they claim they've incurred during the setup until they're in production again. Uh, this is an incredible boon for uh, these psychopaths at the top of corporations, um, and, and that's who set it up. So they have China well under their thumb. And I've looked at some of the, 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 the richest people in China, and they're very, very old families predating the communist era. You saw the same big, big wealthy families at the top, 
And they're, they're even building incredible palaces, like Grecian palaces with Greek statues all over the grounds. Uh, they're living like no, no modern um, robber barn has ever lived before. These guys are not going to uh, bite the hand that feeds them, and they'll make sure that they come down hard on Chinese who try to think otherwise. Um, nevertheless, the eugenical depopulation agenda is still... Oh, it's um, underway. It's underway. Yeah. So um, let's assume for conversation purposes that there might be some credence to this, okay? And a bacteriological weapon is not unleashed mm -hmm. on the Asian population because of this ultimatum. Um, a couple of days ago, <clears throat> Burma was hit by a, a catastrophic cyclone, okay? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, China was just hit a couple of days ago by a 7.9 yeah. earthquake, okay? Yeah. Um, do you think that there might be a possibility, a probability, a chance that maybe silent weapons, namely the harp, could be used to trigger these type of catastrophes in order to send these people a, a signal that Weapons, biological weapons or no biological weapons, mm -hmm. um, the agenda is still in force. Uh, it it could means. be. We know, we know that they have, and this was written into the Treaty on Weather Warfare at the United Nations in the 70s, uh, stated they can cause the hurricanes, the cyclones, the floods, the tsunamis, earthquakes. It can all be done with HARP alone. And now they have arrays of satellites working alongside HARP. They can literally hit whole continents with various types of weaponry. Um, it, it's possible that they've used it there as a warning, but personally I think it's to get the West used to as well. That it's all going to come here. So, you know, the, the elite in China uh, go to the same meetings at the United Nations to do with depopulation, and they, they accept that they'll be taking their population down with the rest of the world. And, and they, they know that the population that they want to reach eventually in the West is to be about one quarter or less of what it is today. Therefore, they won't need the Chinese population that they have now to manufacture the much, much small, smaller reduced manufacturing force in China. So the whole planet is going to be taken down in turn at the right time. Yeah, but I'm sure that just as there are people aware on this side of the world that this is taking place, I'm positively sure that over that side of the world there is resistance to this agenda also. Oh, I'm sure there's people within, yeah. And yeah, China really uh, cracks down on dissidents uh, so fast. Mm -hmm. they, they, I, I get mail all the time from dissidents who are just grabbed off the street. And one folk singer recently was grabbed. Uh, he sang protest songs and uh, he was put into the mortuary. Um, they don't mess around over there. Uh, in fact, the U.S. Is, uh, and Britain will go the same way. Uh, they've given themselves the laws to do it. They just have to start really implementing them. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, uh, I just read not too long ago today that there's another cyclone being formed in that area right now, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, do you know of any site that can give me some type of instrument reading as to the HARP project. 
Yeah, I do have one. I'll have to get the guy to send it back to me, and I'll put it up on the website. I'll make a note of that uh, and put Please, it up on the know, site. Yeah. Okay. okay, my friend. All right, my friend. Um, thank you. And um, I heard you a couple of days ago um, bitching and moaning, and uh, I just want to encourage you to keep up the good fight. And I'm, I know that you have not been brought through the Red Sea and the wilderness to be left to die in the wilderness. Well, and that much. you will see the promised land, and together we will bring down this Babylonian system. Yes, for sure. All right, my friend. Thank Thanks you. for calling, John. Now I've got Jim from Louisiana. Are you there, Jim? Yes, I am, Alan. Hi. Go ahead, yeah. Yeah, I really appreciate your perspective on things. I've uh, downloaded quite a few of your talks from YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, I just had a couple of, uh, well, a question about the Tavistock Institute yeah. and the entertainment industry in the 60s, especially the Beatles and maybe the Rolling Stones and yeah, some but, of the but, other. Yeah, well, let's keep the questions low, though, because we don't have much time. Sure. I just wonder if you could give me your perspective on on the Tavistock Institute's uh, influence. There's no doubt the Tavistock, uh, even Huxley mentioned himself, he worked there and he went in to watch their their early experiments to do with literally putting wires and brains of people and controlling them. Uh, hold on, I'll, I'll come back after these messages. Thank you. from Louisiana who asked about Tavistock and sure enough yeah, Huxley and others were in Tavistock he talked about it quite openly and he was so enthralled by the fact that they could make people behave in other ways by certain wires in their brain this is back in the, the 50s but Tavistock was set up uh, as a big not just a, an experimental station to test people out and behavior but also to study world psychology and mass psychology and so on because that's what's used on the public worldwide and one of their specialities was to do with how they could use the radio and eventually television to totally alter culture and use it as a, a form of propaganda and also to make people docile and, and dependent and uh, that's happened. It's been very, very successful in this area. But they also realized that music had a lot to do because they had to grab the young generations especially. And uh, Tavistock was definitely involved in, in finding out what kinds of sounds, actual sounds themselves, very deep sounds, heavy bass, uh, repetitive uh, drumming, the beat, and also very high-frequency sounds that, that only the young, very young, can hear. And this was incorporated into electronic music, which eventually went, found its way into the studios. And there's no doubt at all uh, that uh, Theo Adorno, uh, who was heavily involved uh, with Beatles music, he owned the rights to them until he died, and then Michael Jackson bought them over. And, uh, and Theo Adorno himself was part of the Frankfurt team that came over after World War II. He set up a massive committee to, to do again with behavioral psychology. He himself was a, a form of a Trotskyite, and an elitist too. People think that Marxism or Trotskyism is for the masses. It's not really. They believe in evolution. They believe there's a superior class 
and the Soviets found that out because they got superior class moved in at the beginning of the revolution and they stayed there all through their children took over from them so so Adorno and others uh, were heavily involved in the music industry and they knew uh, music they knew classical music too and you'll find when you get the, the hints of the more complex uh, musical schemes throughout the music of the early bands you know which ones they were involved with because three three chord wonders young guys uh, who play in a garage at the back uh, don't come up with these kind of melodies and complex variations uh, tempo changes uh, and uh, key changes and even you bring in classical instrumentation it, it takes someone who knows what they're doing to put that together so so yeah um, all entertainment has been run uh, definitely since 1950 uh, by by uh, departments actually of the CIA there's actually books out on it now uh, so they, they funded what uh, type of music was to come in, they even funded the arts industry, that's why a denialistic type art that would help degenerate us again if we feel hopeless and they also even funded certain plays into existence again which left young people with a sense of despondency and despair, this all came from MI6 and the CIA they ran the culture industry and special departments along with Tavistock and some real macabre geniuses at the top, like Adorno. So what you're saying, um, the Beatles didn't actually write their songs or their music? All we can say for sure is that Adorno owned the rights to the songs. That's interesting. Uh, thank you for your perspective, Al. Thanks for calling. I'm sorry I can't get back to the rest of the callers, but it's been a, a fast night. From a very rainy Ontario, Canada, where the mosquito larvae are just cheering. From Hamish myself, it's good night to me, your God or your gods go with you.